And we are set to go, and hockey has arrived in the Sunshine State. With a shot, Locked on Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. I hope everybody's having a good day. And just a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So on yesterday's episode, I previewed the game, uh, the exhibition game, by saying that not to expect a lot... um, you know, this, these both these teams, not just the Lightning, but especially the Lightning, are probably going to get off to a slow start. It's probably going to be a sloppy game, more so a defensive-minded game because of, you know, they're missing some key players, as were the Panthers. But, I mean, we're missing Stamkos, we're missing Hedman. So you had guys on the ice like Luke Shen. I mean, he's been solid for this team all year. Ryan McDutta, Jan Ruda. Um, just name a few. You know, we have Mitchell Stevens back in the lineup. Big Mitchell Stevens guy. But as we all know by now, the Lightning won that game 5 nothing. And for the most part, you know, the first couple of minutes, that's exactly what happened was what I said was going to happen. Uh, the, the passing wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, I, I tweeted a little bit throughout the game saying that I wanted to see better puck possession. And then almost immediately... Braden Point happened. Um, what a difference four months will do. Um, <laughs> as we all know, uh, last offseason, Braden Point had double hip surgery, and he wasn't really able to do some of the things that you would normally be able to do conditioning-wise uh, in an NHL offseason. So this four-month layoff was really huge for Braden Point, and you, you definitely saw it. Um, on a couple of rushes, especially on his first goal, um, just how you know he was he was really fast, he was really explosive, um, and you know that's going to make a big big difference, especially if they choose, which I imagine they will, they choose to keep him on that first line center position, which will be a very I will be a very deadly deadly line if you know they could have him. Uh, in the middle centering between Kucherov and Stamkos. Um, it was, you know, it was it was a good game played, obviously, by the Lightning, you know, winning 5 nothing. So we had two goals from point in the first period, uh, a pair from Kucherov, and then also Luke Shen chipping in on one. Um, I was very impressed by this team, considering the layoff. And, you know, granted, the Panthers aren't exactly that good of a team when compared to the Lightning, but... Still, you know what they the Lightning played very well. They played far above the expectations I had. Um, Vasilevsky, I said that he was going to be maybe possibly a little rusty, maybe let in one bad goal. Um, you know he he did get the shutout, but at the same time he was only faced with twenty five shots. Uh, I don't think the Panthers really, really, really challenged him that much, but. 
it's going to be interesting to see with these round robin games coming up, which I like to affectionately call just extended exhibition games. Um, but you know what? It's going to be interesting to see how these guys improve because there's still work to be done. We're all well aware of that. Um, so it's going to be interesting how things go uh, over this round robin matchups, which will start next week. Obviously, on Monday, they will be facing the Washington Capitals at around 3.30. So tune in for that. I know I will. And on the show today, to discuss all that, uh, I spoke with Griffin Youngs of Fansided.com. He's, he wrote a recent article about the Lightning that was you know very very much previewed the season, uh, the the upcoming round robin games. It was a very interesting article, so I had him on to talk about that. And Griffin is, you know, just I didn't even realize this going into the interview, but he is also a big time Capitals fan. So we also spoke about the upcoming round robin games as well as the playoffs. Um, that's a very it, that was a very good interview. Thanks to Griffin again for doing that. This uh, we recorded that last week, so there might be some stuff in that to which. Um, we missed, of course, but we'll just we'll get to that in just a little bit. But first, let me talk to you about RockAuto.com. Uh, RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for the last twenty years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I mean, come on. There's, there's no... There's no you should already be sold on this. I mean, this is the holy grail of online auto parts stores. Why go to a place in person where the person who's maybe working at the front counter or whatever may not even know what you want, want, and then they spend 20, 25 minutes looking for it in the back storage room, come back and say, hey, we don't even have it, but we have this other part, and guess what? It's going to be close to $125. Do you really want to pay that much for that? I don't think so. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So we're back. All right. So now I have my, ho- my I guess my honorary co-host for the day slash uh, guest on today's episode is Griffin Youngs of Fansided. Griffin, how you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, uh, it's especially happy and the mood has picked up quite significantly here on Locked on Lightning considering play is just around the corner. And, uh, you know, we're all super excited, especially with the training camps open. Uh, you know, the guys are buzzing around. Everyone looks good except Stamkos. But we'll get to that that road in just a little bit. Uh, now, let's before we get into any lightning talk, let's just uh, discuss you a little bit. You know, obviously you're involved with Fansided. Uh, you, you write not just stuff exclusively about the lightning, but you're all over the league in terms of hockey. So let's just start from there. How'd you, how'd you really start, you know, um, talking, uh, writing about the game of hockey and then wanting to uh, start your journey at Fansided and all that? Well, I actually started from Fansided from the beginning, and I actually started out covering the UFC about around three and a half years ago. 
I worked at a smaller site called Cage Pages for a couple months until they brought us up to the main site. And while I was working for that smaller site, I was strictly only allowed to cover UFC. But once I came up here, I was allowed to start to dip my toe into the water and start to cover hockey and pretty much anything else I wanted to. And after a while, I started to just lean fully towards hockey and write about that full time. It's been great. Fan side's always been great. Well, you know, it's definitely an easy transition between UFC to the National Hockey League, especially the, considering the physicality and, you know, the occasional fight here and there. Uh, so you could definitely, I could definitely see you um, maybe analyzing a couple of fights here and there. Exactly. So, you know, we've, we obviously have you on the show today to discuss the article you writ you wrote recently about the Tampa Bay Lightning. I was, I believe it was about, you know, a little bit of a preview about the playoffs um, and it happens, you know, coincidentally that you are also a, a Capitals fans and the Lightning will be facing off against your Caps uh, in the first game of the round robin. Now, let's get your biased opinion first and then let's get your unbiased opinion. Uh, biased opinion, how you feeling about how that first game is going to go and then also how your Caps are going to potentially do in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that first game between the Capitals and Lightning. It's kind of it's kind of surreal to think about that we're only really less than two weeks away from getting back to hockey and that two great teams like the Capitals and Lightning are going to be facing off. Honestly, I really have no idea how they're going to look to come out. My biased opinion, uh, going the way the Capitals were going into the break, I was not impressed. They were losing games and getting embarrassed and Tampa Bay was rolling. But my biased opinion would be that the Capitals have had plenty of time to rest. They swept the lightning in the regular season. And I would feel like they would be able to turn it around, especially since they usually start the seasons hot to win that first game. But really, you got to throw everything out right now. I mean, the regular season really means nothing here. It's a brand new season. And right. the lightning, they're going to have time to rest as well. Even if Stamkos is a little banged up right now, he's still got some time to get healthy. And... I'm I'm just excited that hockey's going to be back for the first time. Yeah, I think a lot of hockey fans, I think the general consensus is that at this point is, you know, we don't care how the playoffs are going to be played out. We just want the puck to drop as soon as possible. Exactly. And so, you know, with it's it's a w interesting matchup with the Lightning and the Capitals first round. Um just in this round robin, you know, these teams could very well meet up at some point in the playoffs. Um and I've, I've been saying it's kind of a theme and I just want to get your two cents on this. I've been saying, uh, you know, for the longest time, if Stamkos could stay healthy, you know, he has all the tools to be the same kind of player as Ovechkin. You know, they both like the, the like, they both like the setup in the left circle for that one timer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you, if you have the same amount of games for both of these guys being healthy, I think one would have to give the edge to pop maybe Stamkos. And I know this is, this could be a little bit of a uh, hot topic among some Washington Capitals fans, just because of how revered uh, the grade eight is. But I, I truly believe if Stamkos was healthy and could play 82 games a year, do you think that maybe these guys would be almost neck and neck in numbers? Or do you think maybe I'm being a little bit, you know, out of the box and, you know, the, the people need to come and get me and put me in a white coat. Well, I definitely see where you're coming from with it. Stamkos is an excellent goal scorer, but 
it's my personal opinion and many Capitals fans' opinion <laughs> that Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of all time. Well, and I mean, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's the greatest goal scorer of this generation without a doubt I mean what he what he did a couple of years ago on that cup run was unparalleled you know and even in the the previous postseasons where he just was you know carrying this team doing all he could right exactly um, and yeah I mean you know that's the one of the things that kind of scares me about a capitals is that a lot of people haven't been speaking about them going into the these playoffs and even with hockey just on the horizon um you know, they have all these weapons. They have Backstrom. They have Hopi, who I've maybe watched a couple of the the Lightning games against the Capitals, and that was probably it. Um, why do you think maybe a lot of people aren't really talking about the Capitals as much as maybe they would be speaking about the Boston Bruins, of course, the, the President's Trophy winners, and the, the Philadelphia Flyers? Well, I think it's maybe because how the Capitals went into the break. They, they really stumbled into the break, and it kind of feels like they're always talked about among like cup contenders and stuff like that and they are I have seen a when I do see them talked about I do see people saying that they're they might be that team that goes on a long run especially since they're gonna have arrested Ovechkin time for Holtby to reset after his down year and they they have an older core and maybe this rest would do them some good especially after that slow start but I mean the Bruins and Lightning and Teams like that, they definitely deserve to be talked about a little more in cup contention, especially when you consider how bad the Capitals' defense was for most of the year. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you you really have no idea how they're going to look right now. I mean, this rest might be great for them. It also might be terrible for them. They might come out and go 0-3 and maybe have a, a first-round matchup against the Penguins. And we've seen in the past how that can sometimes turn out. Well, I think, you know... I mean, this is just coming from, you know, someone who, you know, this is my view and I've seen some other people have different views on this. You know, it's, it wouldn't be the worst thing to get whether, you know, a, a, a two or three or a fourth seed, you know, first, first seed doesn't really matter about, you know, especially with them playing on a neutral site, home ice advantage isn't really as alluring as it normally is. Now, where do you see the, you know, and, and also the league, I don't think the league would have a problem with the Capitals and the Penguins, you know, no, facing off each other. Market that heavily. Yeah, between that and then a possibility of Edmonton and Colorado in the Western mm -hmm. Conference possibly being, you know, meeting each other. I think that would be like the, the advertising dream for the league, especially out of a long break from here. Now, um, how do you see the first game, you know, especially – how do you see the first round robin game against these two teams going? Do you think we're going to see a balls to the wall uh, kind of game right off the bat? Or do you think um, we're going to see sort of maybe a system, both teams incorporate? Now, I've spoken about this a little bit of my show, uh, the NHL equivalent of load management. Do you think we're going to see a ton of ice time out of Hopi, Ovechkin, you know, the usual stars and the starters on that team? Or do you think we're going to see – you know, maybe some of the guys who got brought up, uh, maybe getting some more ice time. I believe you'll see pretty, I believe it'll be pretty normal when it comes to ice time for the most part. I think you'll see a little bit of experimenting, which is a luxury these round robin teams get to have. They can experiment a little bit with their lineups before they get into the playoffs. But when it comes to load management, I can see maybe for the Lightning, maybe Stamkos not playing the full time 
or anything like that. But outside of that, I feel like it'll be pretty normal. And as for the style of play, it's it's going to be very sloppy to start yes. out. It's going to be a lot of probably pent-up frustration yeah. at missing hockey for the last about five months. And they can do their best to enforce systems, but everyone's still going to be finding their legs mm-hmm. and figuring Absolutely. out like even just how to grip their sticks right again. Like It might be a, a one nothing game or a 6-5 game especially with teams of this talent, it's really hard to tell. Now, are you? how much time do you think, especially in the qualifying rounds, how much time do you think it's going to take between the first games kickoff, the real games, we're not talking exhibition here, the first games, how much, how much time do you think it's going to take for all the teams in general or maybe get back to how they were playing? Or do you think they're just going to, you know, throw the system that they were was working for them all year to to the side just because of all the circumstances surrounding the season. Do you think that maybe, you know, I spoke with Chris Masilli from Lock on Avalanche, and we kind of agreed that you might see sort of a uh, a style that was really you know exclusively played in the old school NHL and maybe something that you see nowadays in the NCAA. Do you see maybe that kind of system being played amongst the teams, or do you see maybe the teams, once they get their groove back, it's right back to where they left off. I think it would take about maybe three or so games to really get back to where they were, but not entirely. Because obviously, it's this is basically a brand new season. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be healthy again. But I would imagine it would take about three games to really get back to optim- optimal performance. For systems, I mean... I don't imagine that they're going to try to enforce anything different at this point. They were going to try to stick with what's familiar. And from what I've seen about from teams training camps, coaches have mainly talked about keeping things the same for the most part. And especially while everyone's finding their legs or anything, they especially don't want to confuse them going into such an important time. Right. And I think like maybe some of the teams could possibly be holding back a little bit you know because you don't want any of your fast cars to run out of the garage real quick and blow a tire I mean we've already seen that with some players around the league uh stamp coast and in in voluntary workouts you're seeing it with Kyle McCarr Calder trophy finalist out in Colorado uh he's hurt already and I'm sure there's a bunch of other injuries that yeah Crosby as well I mean you know I think that we could see some teams pass you know the one thing that teams need to be worried about is maybe pulling the reins back for too long to where maybe they never really get back on, you know, never get their mojo back. Do you think that's maybe something that could possibly make or break a playoff series with certain teams like the lightning, for example, they are been absolutely notorious this entire year for slow starts. I mean, you know, you've, you've seen it in games, sloppy puck management in the neutral Mm -hmm. zone. Uh, I think I, I think if I had a dollar for every time, Headman had to run back to break up the, uh, the fast break on, you know, on a, on a turnover. I think that we would be very rich guys right now, but um, it's just one of those things, especially, I think it's imperative for the lightning, especially to sort of baby Stamkos, but not to the point to where he's going out there and the game's going a hundred miles per hour in front of him. And he's, right. you know, he looks like a deer in the headlights. Everyone else is warmed up and he's still getting exactly. And I think that's where these round robin teams do have a bit of an advantage because they can maybe just hold back a little bit 
and see where everything is while the qualifying round teams, they, they got to go right into it because if you take a step back for the first two games to get readjusted, you might be down two nothing and your season might be over before you know it. And all this was for nothing. And for the round robin teams, even if you do lose all three games, it's not the end of the world. I mean, like you were saying earlier, home ice doesn't really mean anything. I mean, the only thing you're getting out of this is a more favorable matchup. So like, for example, if the lightning hold back a bit and lose all three games, maybe they get Pittsburgh in round one rather than the Panthers. And while it's definitely a tougher series, they can still beat the Penguins the same way they could beat the Panthers. Mm -hmm. And that's really the only reward you're getting out of it. So Teams in these round robins have to decide what matters more. Do they want a more favorable playoff matchup or do they want to risk some injuries and go really hard out of the gates? Because they all might go really hard out of the gates. We're not entirely sure yet. Right. And, you know, I think the Lightning need to play this smart. I think Coach Cooper needs to really look at the teams that we could possibly run into and think, all right, let's play for you know, maybe a one or, you know, on the hopes that Toronto makes it past Columbus. Cause you never know, like we've seen, you know, we, we can name any example out there the past five to 10 years, especially where seating in the NHL playoffs means absolutely nothing. I mean, we've seen nothing. one. Yeah. I mean, we saw it last year with the lightning and you know, what, what potential matchup that the lightning could possibly run into that you think maybe they should kind of aim for maybe a, a playoff series against the winner of the Islanders Panthers, or are we looking maybe possibly for the Canes? Cause like, you know, you have to remember they could aim for any seed they want, but at the end of the day, if they want to play against, let's say a Montreal Canadians, the Canadians still need to win three games against Pittsburgh. Right. And that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. I don't, I would, you know, there's a lot of talk out there right now that I, that Carrie Price is going to get hot and that's going to kind of be the defining factor with this Montreal team. But it's like, listen, you can't have Carrie Price go out there and score goals for you. You know, he could yeah. only make so many goals. He could make so many saves. So what team do you see as the best favorable matchup coming out of the round robin for the lightning? I would say it would be the winner of the Islanders and Panthers series. But the thing is, is that with reseeding after the first round, it's, it's tough to shoot for any real matchup because even if you do get the second or first seed, you really have no idea who you can play. Like let's say the Lightning get the second seed, that could be a matchup with the Panthers or it could mean another matchup with the Blue Jackets. Mm -hmm. If the Blue Jackets are to get past the Maple Leafs and there's one more upset beneath them, and Tampa Bay gets a second seed, which they would be right now if everything goes the same, then that would be the matchup. Yeah, these, these, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it, it's the whole thing is a, you know, we've, we kind of have a, a joke with some of the hosts on Locked On is that it's just, it's just a crapshoot. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen. You know, we, we try to play the experts here. Uh, on our shows daily and we still have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, in our, in our group chat, I think someone suggested that Arizona is going to play Montreal in the Stanley cup finals. Um, and you know, that's just, that's something that's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. Um, you know, especially with uh, individual awards. Um, and speaking of individual awards, obviously Andre Vasilevsky is one of the finals for the Vezina as is Victor Hedman is for the Norris. Um, 
it doesn't seem like there's a lot of backing behind those two guys to possibly be the winners. It seems like Connor Hellebuck and John Carlson are probably going to go home with those, with those awards. Do you see maybe a scenario or any reason as to why Hedman and Vasilevsky should be considered the favorites? It's, that's tough this year because they were obviously great all year, but it really seemed to come down to these two horse races with the Vesna. Connor Hellebuck, in my opinion, should have been nominated for the heart the way he carried the Jets this year. Mm-hmm. And without him, they're, they're not in this play-in. They're probably bottom five in the league. They were terrible. No one faced more shots, had more shutouts, and made more saves than Hellebuck. And it's not to take anything away from Vasilevsky, but Tuka Rask was also phenomenal. He, I don't think he, from what I remember, I don't think he lost a game in regulation at home in Boston this year. He led the league in wins and things like that, which isn't great stat for goaltenders. But maybe for Vasilevsky, there's a bit of solace in he won last year and he's getting nominated again this year. Well, meanwhile, I don't think Rask was nominated last year, was he? I don't believe so. No. So maybe a first place finish last year, third place this year, while well, probably Hellebuck wins it this year. You can make the case that Vasilevsky is still the best goaltender in the league on a year-by-year basis. Because mm-hmm. Hellebuck was terrible last year. Well, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't, he wasn't great. Right. Not anywhere near what he is now. And then he shoots all the way up this year. So who can say where he's going to be next year? Right. If, on, if only there was a, maybe a comeback player of the year award for for the NHL, maybe maybe Vasilevsky would kind of be a little bit more ahead of him in terms of you know possibility of winning this award. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, how you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and scream and shout and say that you know if Vasilevsky does loses, hey, and he, especially if he loses to Hellebuck, Hellebuck has had it like you said. I mean, the Jets would not be in the position they are without Hellebuck. No, uh, you know, six, six shutouts is no joke. And Rask is, was right behind him with five. So that just shows you how, um, you know, important they were to their teams. But at the same time, Rask, he had the, he had, you know, the, the, the privilege, I guess you could call it, or, you know, the luxury of being able to be switched out, you know, having a team that's kind of more comfortable of not having him start 40 or so games. Whereas, Vasilevsky and Hellebuck are kind of the workhorses for their teams. Um, you know, they have, you know, Boston is kind of a weird, weird uh, goalie rotation they have going there in terms of, you know, I've never in recent memory, I don't know if you have seen a goaltender in which he's had, you know, that many starts and has been a finalist for the Vesna in which, and maybe it's just a shift in the direction of the NHL is headed in terms of goaltenders. But I, I mean, and the other thing is, I think is working against Vasilevsky is that he led the league in wins, uh, I believe 35. And there's not a lot of stock these days in goalie wins. It's the same thing in major league baseball with wins for pitchers. Why do you think that's the case? I think over the last few years, people have given a lot more credit to defenses around goalies, especially in the case of Rask in Boston, who has Charlie McAvoy's Dan Ochara, players like that, and in Tampa Bay where Vasilevsky is behind Victor Hedman and Sergachev and now Ryan McDonough and Shattenkirk. And it's really more of a team effort because I can give one example from back in January when Braden Holtby was terrible against the New York Islanders. He let in four goals in two periods, and he got yanked before the third. 
And the Capitals came all the way back and scored four goals in the third period to win it in regulation. And Holtby got the win for that. For I don't remember the exact save percentage, but I don't even think it was 800. And he got the win. And so sometimes that stat can be a little misleading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it it definitely doesn't look good on the old record, you know. Because let's face it, Vasilevsky's goal against average isn't exactly stellar. Um, neither was his save percentage uh, compared to especially Hallibuck. Um, Yeah, so I did see a tweet the other day. Someone was making the case a Lightning fan, which was pretty shocking, you know, because Lightning fans are homers all the way. Um, that you know, Vasilevsky, as much as you want to see him win isn't exact you know he doesn't wins don't mean anything you know that's the same as you know time on ice in some respect but anyway um yeah it, y- i i see your point and i totally agree with it especially when vasileski has a norris trophy final finalist and someone who's always in the talk for the norris trophy in front of him it kind of makes his life a little bit easier especially when he has that offense you know that high powered offense um in front of him scoring averaging about a little under four goals a night um, you know, that definitely helps your, your win-loss record down the road. Now, you, you mentioned a couple of players that, you know, really excite me, especially when I watch the game that I especially look out for. Uh, most notably, Mikhail Sergachev. Now, back in February, there was oftentimes, and it was really frustrating because you know he's a talented defenseman, and you know he's, he, he has the potential to be a Norris Trophy finalist in, in the future. But it seems like there's certain times, especially when he's getting back on defense, that he kind of looks lost or, you know, he's on, he's defending the two-on-one. And, and granted, you could chalk up age and experience to this. Um, is this something that Lightning fans should be kind of worried about him coming back into play, especially after so much time off? Because it definitely looked like he was starting to pick it up. And, you know, his improvement from February to March was, you know, it was two different players out there. Uh, and in the span of a month. And is this something that maybe Lightning fans should worry about in the playoffs, especially when, you know, the lights are super, a lot brighter and all eyes are on them? That's a bit tough to say because with the regular season at this point, you really got to throw everything out. All momentum is gone. You're really starting fresh with a brand new sheet of ice. With a young defenseman like Sergachev, as great as he's been, I wouldn't be too worried about him. And what is he, 21 years old? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about him. He'll continue to grow and continue to mature, and especially with mentors like Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough by his side to really show him the ropes. And he's already an NHL veteran of two, three years at this point. Mm-hmm. He'll, I think he'll be just fine. Young players, especially ones brought up when they're 19 years old, are going to have their struggles from time to time. And I think – eventually he will be talked about in the Norris conversation. I just think you got to, you got to give the kids some time every once in a while. They're going to make mistakes, but that's how, that's how they grow. Yes, that's how absolutely. They yeah. That's how they get better later in their careers. When they make those mistakes early on, they'll grow from them and they'll be better from them. So maybe yeah. these five months off has given him a chance to review his game and correct those mistakes. So I wouldn't be too worried. Yeah. I mean, it's always, a little bit concerning when you see some of the mistakes he was making. And I wouldn't really call them mistakes. I think it was more so of a, a just caught up in the moment and the game moved a little bit too fast for maybe half a second for him. And I mean, yes, that, that happens to young athletes in every sport. Now, 
one of the other things that kind of comes along with playoff hockey is the level of physicality kind of goes from its usual, I want to say maybe a five during the regular season. And it sometimes, depending on what teams are playing, gets jacked up up to a 12 um, in some series. Now, the Lightning, it's no secret, the Lightning have kind of struggled with that. And they addressed that issue this year by signing Patrick Maroon to a one-year contract, as well as acquiring Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow, as well as signing uh, Zach Bogosian. Now, what impressed you the most about the three gentlemen that I face, you know, we, we got to see Maroon play basically all year with the team, but Coleman, Goudreau and Bogosian were kind of just starting to really figure it out as play uh, halted. Now, what really impressed you about those three guys? Well, Blake Coleman was fantastic this season with New Jersey and really there could have been a case made that he should have been a Selkie finalist. He is excellent on the penalty kill. He brings a great physicality to his game. And Barkley Goodrow, he scored that overtime winner for the Sharks last year in game seven. So he is no stranger to coming up big in key moments. Pat Maroon did the same thing for the Blues in the second round against the Stars. He scored another game seven overtime winner. And those are that's some of the experience that you need. You need guys that have been there and not not just been there but done it scored mm-hmm. those big goals in the right spot at the right time and those that, that gets big when it comes into later in the series and especially in a scenario like this where everything's going to be different you're going to be stuck in the hotel and there's going to be a lot of exhaustion you're going to need guys like pat maroon who were there as soon as last year to really teach some guys who had a bad performance last year in the playoffs mm-hmm. that you can manage and that it's going to be okay. You just need to shake it off. Right. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, super important. And we, we see it on a yearly basis. Maybe some of the guys that are not really well known around the league, uh, not entirely big names um, coming up big for their teams, whether it's scoring a big time goal or just doing the simple things and really helping the team throughout the games. Now, a lot of there has been a lot of moments uh, this year, especially with the ongoing injuries with the club, and uh, we saw some names that you know we really didn't expect too much out of to really carry. I guess you could say the torch with this team, and you know have that next guy up mentality. Now we saw it from Alex Kalorn, who uh, you know his popularity in terms of his performance on the ice has blown up, but also because of his social media influence has really blown up as well. So a lot of people are trying to, you know, are starting to know his name, but as well as Anthony Sorelli and, and Andre Palat, and as well as Tyler Johnson have really stepped it up. Now, do you see any of these guys maybe possibly being a, I wouldn't say the unlikely hero because they've proven that they could step up in big situations, but do you see any of these guys really just, you know, becoming that playoff hero, you know, really becoming that guy that where, you know, once the the games turn into real meaningful playoff games, that's when like they turn it up a level that you normally don't see from them in the regular season. I would say pretty much every guy you just named has the potential to do that. Uh, one guy I really like on the Lightning, especially this year, is Anthony Sorelli. Mm-hmm. He he really should have gotten a nomination for the Selkie. There was hardly a better defensive forward in the league than he was. And those are the kind of guys that can come through when it matters most in a a game six, game seven overtime where you need a goal to move on. And Tyler Johnson has proven in the past that he can be the guy in the playoffs. In the 2015 playoffs, when Tampa Bay went to the final, he was their leading scorer. 
And maybe if it wasn't for his broken wrist, I think in the final, he mm-hmm. might have been able to do even more and take them even farther. Yeah. So there's all all kind of potential there. It's just the most important thing in these playoffs is who's going to have the right mindset coming into it because these are far from normal playoffs. You got to really be able to adjust to having no fans, not being able to go back to see your family or anything. Mm-hmm. And e- even something as simple as working out is going to have to be scheduled and structured and monitored. And if you're getting too weirded out by everything and you're not focusing on hockey games at hands, you're probably not going to be producing very much. Mm-hmm. That goes for any depth player and star player alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and the interesting thing that and I'm and I like that you keep bringing it up is how weird things are going to be this year during the playoffs. I mean, I, I there's maybe other than the usual rules that we see during a hockey game, that's maybe the only little bit of normalcy that we'll be seeing other than the jerseys that the players will be playing with. Um, what are some of the things that you really like about this playoffs? Obviously, um, you know, the bracket may be favorable to some teams, especially favorable to your Washington Capitals. Um, oh. And But what are some of the things that maybe you think the league could have done different about this playoff? You know, I re- – when this playoff first kind of started coming out in about late May, I kind of didn't like it at first because it seemed like it wasn't fair that a team like Montreal or Chicago, when they were just out of the race, could get a shot at Stanley Cup. But as the months have passed, I've, I've really just – I've loved this whole thing. Mm-hmm. We're, it's, these are unprecedented times. We have never seen anything like this, nothing even close to it, and – we're most likely never going to see anything like it again. Once mm-hmm. this is over, we're going right back to the old broken playoff system <laughs> where the best teams can eliminate each other in the first round. Yeah. One thing I do love about this is that they did go kind of back to the one through eight system, which they had and changed for some reason a couple of years ago. So now you're going to have maybe if Boston or Tampa Bay finishes first, they'll play the worst team left, which is how it should be rather than having like last year, Boston and Toronto, who were the second and third best teams in the league playing each other in the first round. And that's something I I really hope sticks after this season. There's one thing I maybe wish they could have done differently is I wouldn't have the Penguins and Oilers defend their playoff spot right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were good enough teams to deserve being in. And especially giving them a shot at the draft lottery is ridiculous considering yeah. how good they are. But I guess they kind of dug their own grave with that because like I was saying, they deserve to be there. They deserve to be in the playoffs. They were good teams and deserve to make it. So they had to make it fair by if they do somehow get upset, giving them a spot in the draft lottery. And once again, thanks to Griffin Youngs of Fansided. That was part one of our discussion that took place last week. So just a reminder, if we missed anything in that, that's the reason why. Uh, Part two will air on tomorrow's show, and that is episode 86. Can't believe we've done 86 of these things. Well, we've done 85, but by then, we'll have done 86. But, yeah, uh, once again, thank you to all of you who have stuck with us through this entire crazy, strange, but unique ride that we're all on right now in the hockey world. Um, Can't be – I'm not thankful enough for all the support that we've had. Uh, And once again, if you want to stay up to date on everything with the show, news, 
go to the Twitter page at LO underscore lightning. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm there as well as at A-P-D-E-N-K-E-R Danker on Twitter. Uh, if you want to send us an email, shoot us an email at lockedonlightning at gmail.com. And as always, subscribe, like, and follow so you're up to date on all the newest episodes that we drop here on Locked on Lightning. So that's been it for today's episode of Locked on Lightning, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Tanker. I'll talk to you in the next one.